Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us for another edition of the Fantasy Magnet Show. JB, we got ourselves a name and it's stuck. Yes, sir. I'm excited and, and Jordan Loop's working on a logo for us that's going to be crazy. So I'm looking forward to that too. He asked me before what colors we're looking for, if we had any colors in mind. So I asked him if he could try to go with the Alabama Crimson to match it with the Hofstra Blue and incorporate our, our college squads in there also. So I think it'll be pretty cool. That'd be nice. Now, just officially, just to let you know, I never went to the University of Alabama. And if I did, I don't remember the time that I did have there because it it was a little wild ride if I did ever go down there on a Saturday afternoon. But uh, you are joining us. You are stuck with us on the Fantasy Magnet Show. This is JB, of course, and I am Wes Easley. You can find me on Twitter at Loafinit on Twitter, and you can find JB at Fantasy Coach JB on Twitter. We are going to be going over the second half of Week 1 games. JB, we took so long in talking about the first half of the Week 1 game. I was just so excited to talk about actual football games, man. I know. It's exciting that it's right around the corner, but the good thing is the late games is only three four o'clock games we got the sunday night game and then of course as week one we got the two monday night games so should be a quicker show this time to go through these games yeah and i I went through them all last night i went through all the games last night i broke down each team john frisella and i had a show that should be on the anchor fm app if you haven't subscribed to the show yet you just go ahead and subscribe it that way you can find all the past shows and get alerts for all the new shows that are coming up but we went through the over unders on win totals that was such a fun show to do i love breaking down those win totals we even threw in who we thought were good value odds in vegas to be able to win the super bowl this year so that was a lot of fun talking those things i love that stuff yeah, for sure. And without spoiling it, I hope you picked the, the Bucks to be a Super Bowl contender there. <laughs> I, I I didn't think that the value was really good on them for the Super Bowl odds. Uh, I always look for I look for my own special things when I go to picking the Super Bowls. But I did have them finishing at 12 and four this season. And I thought that was a, a really solid pick. I like it. I'll take it. All right, so the first game we have here, we're looking for fantasy implications, players who might have fantasy impacts on our week one plays, but we're not going to dive really deep into them this time. Just pick out a couple of players that we think are going to be special in this game and maybe see how this game might play out in the end. We have the Chargers going to Cincinnati for one of those first three o'clock games. I don't know about this one. We got a couple of quarterbacks who could be on shaky ground. I personally think Joe Burrow is going to get his first victory in the NFL this week because I don't have a lot of confidence in the Chargers, JB. Yeah, and this is a tricky game because of those quarterbacks. You got two really unknown quarterbacks. You got the rookie in Burrow in in Cincinnati side of things. And then you got Tyrod Taylor at the home in, in Los Angeles. And We've seen Tyrod before as a starting quarterback in Buffalo, and of course it's Buffalo. It's a different type of offense, but he was never a guy who you struck out, you know, a guy that you look at and said, oh, Tyrod Taylor, let me go out and draft him on my fantasy team. You know, both of these guys are guys that are either being drafted as QB3s or Burrow maybe a little bit higher as a a low-end QB2. So there's a lot of question marks with both of these offenses. Um, obviously the guy you want to talk about here from a fantasy perspective is Joe Mixon on the Cincinnati side. He's a first round draft pick. Um, he's a guy who has had some question marks this past week, uh, sitting out of practice. There was talk about migraines. Some people were even implying that he was sitting out due to contract negotiations and holdout reasons. He's a guy who I love at the back end of the first round. What do you think? I don't know. I, I always, 
Mixon is one of those guys that made my list, man. My, my Sammy Watkins, my Alshon Jeffrey list, who I end up with every single year. And then I just wait for a breakout week so I can try to trade them. And then I talk myself into keeping them, and I struggle with them all year long. So I don't like that. I don't like a lot of the wide receivers that, that Cincinnati has. It's just up and down. I don't know if I can handle another roller coaster ride in Cincinnati this year with all their fantasy players. In of uh, course, for the Chargers, Austin Eckler is one of those picks that seem to be pretty safe. But like you said, man, with Tyrod Taylor at the helm, I'm not sure I want anything to do with either one of these teams as far as fantasy goes. So this helps me narrow my pool, this game does, because I don't want either one of those teams. Yeah, and Eckler was a guy who I was not sold on coming into draft season, and and draft season for us was a couple of months ago. Um, But I have been swayed a little bit, and he's a guy who if I was at the back end of round one, and if he came around to me at the front end of round two, I would grab him as my second running back and be okay with that. With the Mike Williams injury, and Williams will only be out two to four weeks, but it's a shoulder injury, he's a guy who I was targeting in the middle rounds. And now I might not be as high on, but it kind of bumps up Keenan Allen, who had been falling in drafts. Keenan Allen wasn't being drafted high uh, or as high as he had been in the past. And he's kind of one of those disrespected wide receivers that doesn't really get the the notice and the notoriety of a Odell Beckham type who he's kind of been in line with for most of his career. So he's been a guy who receives 100 targets, got 100 catches every year. And I mean, the last three years, he's had over 300 catches. I think it was 303 or 304 catches over the last three years, especially with Williams out in a PPR league. I'll draft Keenan Allen, even with Tyrod. Well, I don't know if Phillip Rivers helped make Keenan Allen or if Keenan Allen helped make Phillip Rivers, but I am going to wait and see on that answer. Our next game is a little bit juicier as far as fantasy goes. We've got the Arizona Cardinals at the San Francisco 49ers. I don't know what to do with the 49ers other than draft Kittle. I know you love Jimmy G down there at the end of rounds. I'm really confused about the running back situation because I think the 49ers are really confused about the running back situation. What do you tell? What, do you, what can you tell me about those San Francisco 49ers? Yeah, and I do like Jimmy G as a QB2 option later in your draft, not as a guy that I would pick early as a QB1. He's a steady quarterback. He hits his guys. Obviously, they've had a lot of receiver issues. Um, Seems like every day in practice, they go down receivers, and they're even signing guys like Kevin White off the scrap heap, who was was supposed to be good and always got hurt. Debo will be out for a while. Ayuk went down with an injury. But as far as that backfield goes, it's so murky that they play that hot hand and you know, Mostert was the guy last year, and you can get pretty good value on him if you want to draft him in the seventh mm-hmm. round. But I, I'm so scared of that backfield that I'm, I seem to be pivoting other ways because they do play that hot hand. And one week he could score three touchdowns, and the next week he could get three touches. So I'm staying away from that backfield. Now, I am all in on the Arizona Cardinals this season. I just I, I saw some game film. I watched a little bit of game film, and I like what they did last year. And then they went ahead and added two wonderful weapons in DeAndre Hopkins and Kenyon Drake. I, look, I, they, when they had Kenyon Drake at the end of last year, when they made a trade for him and they got him, he exploded. And I don't know why he wouldn't do that again this season. I am, I am all in on the Arizona Cardinals, especially Kyler Murray. Yeah, Murray's a guy who can certainly take that big leap up this year. Um, you know, Kyler Murray, I have up in that second tier of quarterbacks with Dak, Deshaun, Russell. I think he has the weapons and the ability to reach up to that group. Now, he could very easily be Baker Mayfield from last year with all those weapons and all the hype. 
No, let's no, hope no, he's no. not. <laughs> let's really hope he's not. I think the addition of Hopkins helps him out big time as as having a reliable guy that he could target when he gets in trouble. Um, Kenyon Drake is in a walking boot now, so it's giving people some concern. To me, that means his draft, his ADP is going to go down a little bit, and it's going to make him a little bit more valuable for us at the back end of drafts. I think he can be productive. It's just a matter of can he handle the volume that he's never had before. Well, I, I agree, and that's one, that's something I've seen from him all the way back in his days in Alabama. Always a nick, always an injury, but when he finds the field, he's able to be very productive. I hope he finds, I, I don't know, he, maybe he's a vegan. You know, I've heard a lot of times vegans have a lot of soft tissue issues, so maybe we need to start getting him some red meat. I don't, I don't, I don't know, but I sure am all in on little Kenny Drake this season. Oh, here we go. This is it. JP, I'm sorry. I'm not going to save this one for last for us. We're going to have to tackle it right now. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, your Buccaneers, are going to New Orleans to face Drew Brees. What a what a quarterback battle. This is fantastic this year. How did they not make this the 7 o'clock NBC game? Yeah, and what an awesome offensive battle in general. I mean, this is going to be two of the highest-powered offenses in the league this year, squaring off. Week one, divisional battle. I mean, like you said, how is this not the featured game? The good thing is, is that it's an afternoon game and, you know, competing against Arizona, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Cincinnati, it's going to be that Fox game of the week. So everyone will get to watch it. I'm excited for that. And everybody knows what a big Bucks fan I am, anybody who follows me. And it's funny because now with all the bandwagoners coming aboard this year, I have to defend the fact that I'm a real Bucks fan. I was at physical therapy this week and had to show the lady. She asked me, oh, who's your team? I said, the Bucks. She goes, oh, yeah, sure they are. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I had to pull up a picture from my 16th birthday wearing a Warwick Dunn jersey just to prove it to people. So, <laughs> Hey, you know what else I like about this game that I just thought of? Think about Twitter. With everybody watching this football game and how Twitter's going to be exploding all over the Evans and the Godwins, the Tom Brady versus the Drew Brees, and just thinking about all that, that's going to be fantastic. Who do you like better, Mike Evans or Chris Godwin? There's kind of a debate on that going on. Yeah, and, and they're going similarly in drafts with Godwin actually going a little bit higher than Evans. Um, at the values that they're coming at, I think I like Evans better. I, I like Evans as a slightly better wide receiver in general. Um, I think he, he has more of the tools, but for the type of offense, Godwin lines up in the slot a lot. And obviously we know Brady's rapport with Julian Edelman out of the slot. Mm -hmm. So I think for what Brady likes to do, Godwin would be a better pick in a PPR league. Um, just for the fact that he'll be able to get more of those short intermediate targets. But if you're playing in a standard league, that's not a PPR and you want a guy with the more touchdown upside, it's going to be Mike Evans. I think Mike Evans is going to be that big-bodied, reliable receiver that'll go up and get it, which is something that Brady really never had outside of the, the little time that he played with Randy Moss. Yeah, I always find myself there in that situation. If I'm picking in the draft, and I'm always looking at two wide receivers right there, it seems like, unless you know Kittle or Kelsey ends up falling to me at that point. And I find myself going Galladay and then Evans. You know, I, it's just because if I if I don't like my other options, I think at that point. So that's what I always find myself doing in New Orleans. though, are we are we expecting a big fantasy impact from Sanders this season? He's new there to the system, but he's always been productive. Emmanuel Sanders has in in other systems. Do we think he's going to do the same in, in New Orleans? 
Well, I think he's such a reliable receiver. He's a veteran. He's been around a long time. You know, he's got Michael Thomas on the other side, who's the best wide receiver in football. So he's going to draw the attention of every defense that they play against. You also have a, a team that doesn't have a slouch at running back either. You got Alvin Kamara there. So you got a defense that has to focus on a top four, top five running back in the league, the best wide receiver in the league. And then here you have Emmanuel Sanders, who's an established veteran, who's a reliable guy, who's not getting attention. He's going to be facing a lot of single coverage. He's being drafted in like rounds eight through 10. You could probably even get him in the ninth or 10th round in a lot of your drafts. In a PPR league, I am absolutely targeting Emmanuel Sanders just because he'll have tons of opportunity if they're double covering Thomas, the linebackers are watching the running back. It's going to be Emmanuel Sanders one-on-one with the team's second cornerback. I'll take that matchup all day long. You know, I had an epiphany the other day, and I I love where he's going in drafts. Drew Brees, I was I was sitting there eating a beignet. All right, it might have been a powdered donut. I don't, I don't know what it was, <laughs> but I was I was eating that and a cup. I was drinking a cup of coffee, and it came to me that Drew Brees is really in a situation similar to Peyton Manning in my head. Age-wise, last hurrah, the best offense that he's ever had. And if you think about the stats that he put up last season, if he has a healthy year this year, he could see over 50 touchdowns. Yeah, I, I definitely think he could. I definitely think he could. He He's going to be looking for it. He's gunning for going out on top. He knows he's got Brady in his division now. So the two teams will be fighting for the top of the division. But I think the two quarterbacks are going to be having a battle against each other, too, to see who the best old man is. I agree. It's going to be a fun game to watch. Isn't football exciting, JP? Oh, I can't wait for this game. I'm going to be wearing my my brand new custom Bucks jersey with my name on the back and the gray alternate color, sitting with my wife wearing her custom Barry jersey as well, and I can't wait to watch this game. You are listening to the Fantasy Magnets here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. Of course, I am with J.B. Barry uh, at Fantasy Coach JB on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter, Wes Easley, at Loafinit. Look, if you haven't followed the show yet, if you haven't subscribed to the show yet, I don't know what you're waiting for, right? I mean, we, we have so many shows that come out all the time, it seems like, and we've got a lot of great shows coming out here over the next week. You can hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're on. Just find us on Anchor FM, and then they have all the platform links right there, and then whatever platform is your favorite, that's how you can subscribe to it. Whatever you do, please leave a rating, leave a review, whatever you can do to help help the show, promote the show, it would be really appreciated. All right, JB, Sunday night football. I, can you do a little bit? Are the, who, Who's going to be singing the Sunday night theme song? Mm, that's a good question. I don't know. Can you hum me a little Sunday night music? <laughs> I don't know if you want to hear my voice, man. Oh, I would love to hear your voice, too. But that, we've JB. been waiting all day for Sunday night. <laughs> We're waiting all day for Sunday night. I like that when it does that. Uh, Is it still right, going to so, be Carrie Underwood? I, I don't I don't know. I was just doing my it was not my Carrie Underwood. That, <laughs> no that that was that big country singer. I was just doing my big country singer guy there you impression. Go. All right. Uh, so Hank Williams Jr. I was just doing my Hank Williams Jr. Not my Carrie Underwood. So I just looked it up and it looks like it is going to be Carrie Underwood debuting a new theme song for oh. the upcoming Sunday night show open. Ooh. That 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 see we have something else to look forward to besides 
the Dallas Cowboys and the Los Angeles Rams fighting it out there on that Sunday night. I don't I don't know what to do with the Rams either. I'm not a big Rams guy. I never have been. I don't draft a lot of Rams players. Now, of course, with Dallas, they've got a lot of big names, a lot of big stars. Uh, one great wide receiver from the state of Alabama as well. Well, played in Alabama. He's actually from the state of Florida. But who do you like better as far as having the biggest impact in this Sunday night game? Yeah, I, I think that Dallas is going to be another one of those high-powered offenses they have a three-headed monster wide receiver, and, and I think that there's going to be a lot of volume. I mean, you look at, at what they lost last year, and even just the loss uh, of Randall Cobb and, and the tight end, it, it's a lot of targets that are vacated there. Yeah. So the rookie can come in and take some of those. Blake Jarwin can come in and take some of those. But those top two receivers there in, in Cooper and Gallup each had over 100 targets last year. And I think that volume will continue. I got Dak as one of my top quarterback options in that top five range. Um, I think he's going to be slinging the rock around. I think those wide receivers are, are a great group. And there's going to be a lot of fantasy production on the offensive end. And, of course, you know, Zeke Elliott's a top running back in the league. So there's a lot of fantasy impact on that Dallas side. And, and every one of those is a good pick. You know, a Gallup in drafts is such a much better value than Amari Cooper. And if you look at the numbers, they almost looked identical at the end of the season last year. So my suggestion is to always wait for Gallup. But man, whenever I see Amari's name right there, I just want to grab him. Let's be honest with you. I just, it's hard for me to do that. Yeah, I agree on the value there. And I, I wrote an article on Razzball a couple of weeks ago about the value of Gallup and where you're getting Gallup. I mean, you can get Gallup in, in the sixth, even seventh round in most drafts where, like you said, his numbers are, are pretty similar to his counterpart there, who's going a few rounds earlier. I mean, Cooper's a third-round pick in most leagues, so mm-hmm. I'd rather wait a couple of rounds and get Gallup, and that's pretty much what the article was centered around, the value that you're getting there for a similar receiver. You know, on the Los Angeles Rams side of things, Jared Goff is expected to put up some pretty good numbers. He finished pretty high in the fantasy world last season, and you can almost get him for free in draft rooms nowadays, J.B., yeah, it was a big down year for the Rams. They definitely didn't hit expectations last year. And I think, you know, with Sean McVay, I think he tried to get a little bit too cute last year to try to build off of the season he had before. You know, offensive genius, you know, young young whiz kid. And, and I think that he got a little bit too cute last year. I think he is a great coach, and I think that he'll have them bouncing back this year. But it's such a question mark. You know, you got, you got Cooper Cup there who... I would draft because he's a target monster and, and Goff has the rapport with him. But other than that, it's a pretty murky offense. The tight end question mark, obviously. You know, I'm not a Higby guy. A lot of people are high on Higby this year. I'm more in the Gerald Everett camp and think that Everett is a sneaky pick late in drafts at tight end. Um, I don't know. It's just a question mark of an offense. But I do think that whoever you're going to pick there, if you pick the right one, that offense will improve this year and will have some fantasy relevance. Yeah, I don't I can't see them being down. It's just also in that division, you've got so many good defenses, too, you know, and I know Arizona's not the greatest of defenses, but we're talking about the San Francisco 49ers. So I always count that against the Rams when I'm thinking about drafting them. But at the same time, a lot of opportunities to score some points because they'll have to keep up with the Arizonas and Seattles of the world. Yeah, that's the thing. That division itself is is such a merry-go-round. You don't know, you know, obviously Arizona is looked at as the basement team. And now this year, you're looking at so much promise for that Arizona team. So 
you know, with that division, it's going to be interesting to see who comes out of that because now you look at it, well, maybe it's the Rams out of the basement team if there's so much hype on Arizona, but I'll never count out a Sean McVay team. Yeah. All right. So we jump over to Monday night now, you know, long day at work and you're just smiling all day long because you just finished watching Sunday football all day long. And now, you know, you get to watch a little bit of Monday night football. I actually think these are kind of a couple of maybe disappointing games. I don't know. It's really going to be hard for the Steelers to go on the road in the early Monday night games. I wish they would do this every single Monday, by the way, uh, on this Monday night game. The Steelers go on the road to face the New York Giants. Yeah, and and it's not an exciting game, but there definitely is storylines there. You know, you got Roethlisberger coming back off of his injury. And you got Daniel Jones on the other side looking to, to take a big leap forward in his second year and his first one as as the guy in New York. You know, when he was drafted, there was obviously a lot. Uh, and I'm here in New York and I'm not a Giants fan, but you could see all the Giants fans going, what? what? Why him? What? That That's the guy that we're going to build our franchise around? That's, that's the guy who we're replacing Eli Manning with? And I've seen their opinions change on him, what they yeah. saw in his rookie year and he wasn't a world beater, but he showed a lot. He has the rushing ability. He seems to be a good decision maker with a strong arm. So it's exciting to see what he's going to bring to the table in his second year and his first year as as the mainstay guy in New York. Yeah, and over in Pittsburgh, I, I you know, I, one of the things I like about the Giants is that there's a lot of good value there. Of course, you've got uh, Saquon Barkley going either one or two in draft rooms right now. And, but after that, there's tons of good value with a lot of promising uh, fantasy players. Yeah, all those receivers are kind of lumped in. Um, you don't know who the number one is. I mean, you yeah. look at Shepard as, as kind of the guy who's supposed to be the number one, but I, I look at what Slayton did last year, and I think Slayton's really the guy who's going to be the best receiver. And then, of course, there's Golden Tate. Golden Tate has been a reliable guy for years. He's a PPR machine. He's he's a guy that a young quarterback like Jones can lean on as a as not only an outlet guy, but a guy who knows how to get open and how to find the holes in the defense. So all three of those receivers in the middle rounds of drafts can certainly be viable targets. I don't know that you could count on any of them, to be honest with you, because what I saw from Danny Dimes last year was that he found the open guy. He They had a game plan going into it, and he was able to execute it, and he got it to his playmakers. He had so many different people sitting out games that he made uh, the the other the the players fantasy relevant and I think he'll do the same thing again this year over in Pittsburgh I think we have a very similar situation I don't know what to think of Juju Smith Schuster I don't know what to think about all those other wide receivers it's actually a it's actually a team I'm trying to stay away from if I can yeah me too where Juju's going in the third round I find myself looking at guys like Mike Evans and Odell Beckham uh, in that same range I mean I didn't even Robert Woods, who's a little bit lower than Juju, I'd probably even take over Juju. Uh, I'm just not sure. You know, he had such a down year last year after the breakout the year before, and Roethlisberger's injury was nothing to to shake a stick mm-hmm. at. There, I mean, I don't know how he's going to come back. I don't know that he's going to come back as the same Roethlisberger as we saw in the past. So I'm not going to invest the third round pick in Juju there, and and the other wide receivers are just so unproven. If there is a guy on this offense that I'm going to target, it's going to be a guy who I'm going to target way, way, way later in the draft. And it's going to be the tight end, Eric Ebron, coming over to Pittsburgh. 
you're going to get Ebron in about the 14th round of most drafts. That's a guy who you could take as your tight end two, who really is, is the last bit of guys I would even consider starting. He even tweeted a couple of weeks ago about how he, he plays fantasy football and he feels like he's being underdrafted and he's drafting himself <laughs> in every league. <laughs> I, I just think he's a reliable guy that's shown it in the past. And I think that with the question marks outside of Juju at wide receiver, he's a guy that Ben may rely on as a target guy. It might be. And he always is looking for that red zone target. And that could actually turn into Eric Ebron because if he has any kind of magic in him that we saw a couple of years ago when he played with Indianapolis and had that incredible touchdown season, he could find that again in Pittsburgh. And Ben Ben definitely likes to zero in on one or two guys during the season. All right. Yeah, and real quick, just hopping back over to while we're talking tight end, just hopping over to Evan Ingram. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's getting discounted in drafts. He's going in the seventh round or so. He's coming off after that tier of Andrews, Ertz, and Waller, which is after the Kelsey Kittle tier. I like Ingram as part of that next tier, and obviously the the injury concerns is what's dropping him down. But I have him up there with. Waller, maybe even ahead of Waller, ahead of Hunter Henry, ahead of Hayden Hurst and Tyler Higby. So he's a guy that if it gets down and I'm missing out on the Kittle and Kelsey, which I probably am, he's a guy who I'm targeting around the sixth round or seventh round even as my tight end and hoping that he stays healthy because if he does, he can absolutely be a top three, top five tight end. Oh, yeah. And his backup isn't bad to grab if you're in a best ball league or something like that. Just at the end, if, you, if you're if you desperate for tight end, I think his name is Smith. I, th- I can't remember his name right off the top of my head. Hayden Smith, yep. Yep. So I, that, he's definitely somebody to grab because he played very well for that team last year. And with the Evan Ingram injury issues, you never know who's going to shine there. Last game, my Tennessee Titans are going against the Denver Broncos. Man, I can't wait to watch Derrick Henry again rush the ball. I think the other day on a loop, I just watched Derrick Henry stiff-arming guys left and right while he was in Tennessee. That is so much fun to watch. And you got Melvin Gordon on the opposite side trying to make a new impact in his team. Is that even going to be possible this year? I don't know. And and obviously there's been a lot of reports out of training camp of him having a slow start, um, having issues adjusting to the altitude in Denver. Um, I, I think that the money that they gave him said that they want him to be the guy and want him to be the lead back. But then you see the reports and he's not really separating himself from Philip Lindsay, who has been the guy there previously. I, I don't think that they intended this to be a 1A, 1B backfield, but I honestly think it's the way it's going to shake out. So instead of spending a third round pick on Melvin Gordon, I'm spending the eighth round pick on Philip Lindsay. Yeah, and I you say the money, giving giving Melvin Gordon the money. That means that we're trying to trust John Elway to make those decisions. And it just seems like every year, and I know that we've, you know, brought in the Peyton Mannings and we had that one magical run with Peyton Manning there at the helm. I, I, I don't trust John Elway to make great financial decisions or off season acquisitions or even letting some of those players go that he's had in his possession at some point. Yeah, you're absolutely right. He has not proven to be the best decision maker. I wish he was half as good of a a GM as he was as a quarterback. But uh, yeah, I don't know that this one's going to play out the way he wanted it to play out. And I think Lindsey has the opportunity to outplay Gordon or at least share the load with him there. Whereas, you know, on the other end of the on the other side, you, you talked about Henry on the Tennessee side, and it's Derrick Henry's backfield. And we all know it's Derrick Henry's backfield. In fact, 
a lot of the knock on Derrick Henry in the past has been, well, in a PPR, he doesn't catch passes, so he drops down a little bit more. But the past week has been talking about how he's been improving his pass-catching ability and how he's really focused on being a better uh, pass catcher out of the backfield. And if that's the case, and I'm picking in the middle of round one, I'm absolutely going to be looking at Derrick Henry. Yeah, I love watching him catch a pass on a screen pass because a lot of times it seems like that's what his passes are. It's a misdirection pass where he's on the opposite side of the field and then Tannehill kind of drifts the ball over to him and then there's nobody in front of him and you just get to see the D train going down the sideline chugging, baby. Uh, hey, you're getting me excited all over again, JP. Eric <laughs> Henry's my guy, my guy. Roll he's Tide. such a monster and Roll Tide, you, he is. He he rolls over people when he's running the ball. He's just such a monster that you put him out in open space on a on a screen pass like that. Put him out in open space, give him a head of steam, and oh, God boy. bless the safety of cornerbacks that's got to get in front of that train. <laughs> hey, uh, I wish I was getting Cortland Sutton this year at the same draft price that he was last year, but he's just going too high in drafts for me with a with a quarterback that's not proven himself. Yeah, that's the thing. It, it there's talk about Locke taking a step forward and he you see a little bit of the swagger that he has which you want from your quarterback but you don't know what this offense is going to give you this year so to pay the price on Cortland Sutton where he's going there's just other guys in that range I mean he's going at the basically that fourth round range right around the Terry McLaurin Cooper Cup uh, Devontae Parker DK Metcalf Marquise Brown range and all of those guys I think I would take over Sutton, whereas last year, I, like you said, the value on Sutton was phenomenal. So I, w- I was drafting him a lot, and he definitely stepped up. He is a wide receiver one for that team. He is a guy who on any given week can, can score a touchdown or two, but you don't know what this offense is going to be if they're going to click. I mean, I think Denver's a team who I don't see winning a lot of games this year, so I'm going to invest in other guys on on other teams rather than going for Sutton at the price he's going at. Drew Locke, he's got Paula Abdul on his i on his iPhone, just on a repeat thing where you know he takes one step forward and two steps back. <laughs> yeah, there was a video of him at the end of last year. Uh, they showed Drew Locke sitting on the bench rapping, and and it was it went viral because you know you're looking at a, a, a corny dude like Locke sitting on the bench dropping rap lines and we're going oh maybe this guy's got a little bit of swagger <laughs> all right so the wide receiver over there i don't i'm not sure i want to draft a, a tennessee titan wide receiver i don't think they're going to throw the ball that much i don't think there's going to be a lot of volume i don't even see a good value there uh in my opinion i understand brown has got great potential but i just i, I, I don't want him yeah and that's the thing it's the value thing aj brown's going in the fourth round also ahead of guys like Sutton. Um, Brown's going towards the beginning of the fourth, even end of the third in some drafts. And I'm not paying that price when I can get Adam Thielen or, or you know, guys around that range. You know, we talked about Robert Woods a little bit. That I, I'm not taking A.J. Brown over them because of the volume of that offense. You know, Ryan Tannehill is a game manager type of quarterback in this offense. Um, he's got Derrick Henry and, and, you know, He's a guy that if you were playing in a points-per-handoff league, then sure, you draft on a hill. But um, with the lack of volume in this passing offense, I'm not going to pay the third, fourth-round price for Brown. I'm not really going to draft Tannehill unless it's later as a QB2 if his value is dropping. And even the tight end, John Smith, has been getting a lot of hype and a lot of talk. 
Um, and people are so one way or the other on Janu. There are guys who are so in on Janu Smith because of his athletic ability and because he's a physical specimen. He's a giant monster of a human being. So he definitely has the ability to be a great tight end. But at the same time, they use him to block a lot. And our boy Andrew Cooper did a, a tight end preview, and he has a whole series on Fantasy Alarm. And he talked in his last episode about why you should avoid Jonu Smith. And there's a lot of great stats in there about how many snaps that he plays. He's in there as a blocker. He's not running routes. And that's not what you want out of a guy who you're going to pay a premium for as a tight end one. Wow. 12 days, JB. 12 days. And then we'll quit. We, we won't be speculating on, on anymore about what the season has to bring. We'll be playing the woulda, coulda, shoulda game instead. I can't wait. I can't wait to have actual games to look back on or games to look forward on and let our listeners know these are the guys we like this week based on matchup, not based on draft position. That's going to be exciting. That is exciting. You've been listening to Fantasy Magnets, and of course that was JB. At Fantasy Coach JB. Hey, and you can find me on Twitter as well, Wes Easley, at Loafing It. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Fantasy Magnets on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. We hope that you will subscribe to this show, subscribe to the network, find all the different shows that are on there. we got some fantastic shows that are being released this week. Hey, did, you get, did you get a chance, JB, yet to listen to the Gridiron Scholar show that I did? I'm actually planning on listening it to today. I wanted to save it for this weekend when I could actually listen to it because John Laub is, is a great dude and a great fantasy mind. So I'm looking forward to hearing that conversation. Yeah, he he gave some good sleepers of his uh, people that he picks at the uh, each year, and he puts it in a magazine. I can't remember the magazine. You'll have to tune into that episode to be able to find that. But it was wonderful to hear him speak, not only about fantasy football, but also about being a teacher. Wait till you hear him speak about being a teacher. He had me riveted with what he was telling me. So I, I encourage everybody to go back, subscribe to Fantasy Impact Today show so that you can find all those past episodes, get alerts on the new episodes that are getting released almost sing- every single day, it seems like, JB. So make sure you subscribe. Also, leave a review. Slap those stars for us if you can do that. And it, more importantly than all those other actions, we want to encourage you to go out in your world and find a way to make an impact in somebody's life today. 